I was actually thinking before we logged on, I, I can record all of my lines for this podcast for the rest of the season. It's going to go something <laughs> like, it's going to go something like this. Wow. Max did an awesome job of dominating today. He almost looked bored out there. And then I'll, I'll you can edit this right. in later on. Um, Oh man, Mercedes, they were so close today. It looked for a minute like there was going to be a chance that they win. And then it, you know, just came apart and Max stomped them. And then, all, and, and then, then of course the Ferrari bit. Yeah. What the hell is Ferrari thinking? So then, so now no, we, we could bang the whole rest of the season <laughs> yeah. out in like one extended night, just cut those yeah. up into pieces and, yeah. and just drop keep, and, and keep paste. Yeah. Exactly. The Absolutely. only, the only thing I'll have to call in for will be like how to rate the, you know, how many, how many windmills are, are, am I going to give the race? Right. And throw on a Latifi crash as well, just to <laughs> yeah, add that good. in every once and every two weeks or something. Well, I, at this point, the racing is completely secondary to me. It's more of some of the drama going on around the sport more than anything. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, let's just get into it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll recap here quickly uh, for the round. Let's see, what is it? Round? I looked this up. Round, Christ. I, yeah, 13 or something? I think it was, yeah. No, 15. Round 15. Yeah. Uh, seven uh, left. Seven left. Round 15, the Netherlands Grand Prix. I don't know. Oh, no, the Dutch Grand Prix is what the, it's officially called in, in the Netherlands. And, of course, uh, just the quick, quick recap, because this is the boring part. In qualifying, Verstappen. P1, Leclerc, P2, Carlos Sainz, P3. Hey, look at that. Ferrari, second and third in qualifying. Boy, you know, how about that? Exactly. <laughs> Let's edit that in. <laughs> what a great Saturday Ferrari had. And then, of course, once we get to the results, Verstappen with P1, uh, George Russell with a hell of a race uh, and, and with a big second place, and then Charles Leclerc, in third, which is actually a fantastic Ferrari uh, result in some ways, right? Uh, they Only actually got on the podium. Leclerc's second podium in the last 10 races. So that puts I'm, glad, I'm glad you had that factoid uh, uh, handy and ready to go because that's way right? worse than I would have guessed. You know, like if, if you asked me to guess right then, I would right. His own, his only other podium was his win in Austria um, no in the past 10 races. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And we're only fifteen. We're fifteen races in, so that's like two thirds of the se- of the season thus far. Yeah, you just know. goes to show how strong of a start he had, and then just yeah. how it's been pretty terrible since then. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk about racing here for a second. Generally speaking, a pretty uneventful uh, race in the sense that again, Red Bull looking very good, Verstappen in in particular just untouchable and executing strategy amazingly um, on top of well racing, you know, on top of the the good racing. I'm just going to throw this out, you know, to you guys right now. Like what, what was a highlight for you of the race? I I don't have any, like it was just sort of uneventful for me. Um, I was, like I said, I'm more sort of fascinated by some of the things going on around the race. And we're going to talk about that a little bit of drivers, who's going to be in what seat and that sort of thing. My highlight was honestly when Signs pitted the first pit stop he did, and they only brought out three out of his four tires. Yeah, right. I was that was the moment of the race where not that I was like you know upset or anything. I just I found it hilarious. You know, just classic Ferrari at this point. And every race, I'm like, I'm not really expecting them to get better, but I'm still just amazed 
and how they find like different ways to mess it up each time. And so, you know, last week Some... it was the terrible call for this, the, the, the fastest lap at the end this week, you know, they just completely bungled the pit stop. Um, yeah. Somewhere on that team, there was a guy whose one job is to bring the tire out. How, how could he <laughs> not have brought his tire out? Right. <laughs> He was just what he's just watching the TV too focused and forgets to when everybody else is rushing over to the racks there. I don't know. It's it's crazy. But they, I was hearing all sorts of stories on that where they had they had like the wrong cover on it and they pulled the wrong tire first. Or have you heard any anything like legit come out? I haven't, I mean, that, but I that's mean the, yeah, that was the kind of things I read a little bit about was basically it was a mix up mix up in terms of which tires to use. And but again, you know, that's it just shows the disarray that that team is in, like if, if they're, because then that's ultimately the root cause there is they're not on the, their strategy is all over the place. They're just like rolling a dice, like, Ooh, what should we do? What should we do? Um, you know, that stuff should not be, you know, up to the tire grabber to like worry about, <laughs> yeah. right. Should be some organization and, there. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, you know, how, I don't feel like we see a lot of how Williams does, you know, their, how their pits turn over, whether they b- ever bungle anything, right? Because n- nobody cares. There's no footage, you know, very rarely footage. And I wonder, you know, like AlphaTauri, like, do they bungle as much? Well, they had that you know, one or- pit stop this week where, was it Yuki came in there? I mean, before they let him back out and he was stuck for, what, 30-something seconds? Yeah, 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 that's right. So, you know, I, I wonder, like, is Ferrari, like, you know, they're not totally, you know, like even relative to the, to the back markers, they're not, you know, garbage, but the trouble is they've got the potential to compete with and a car that potentially compete with drivers that can potentially compete with the best. And, but they're terrible. Yeah. It's I mean, just a at, sign. Yeah. I was, I was just say Red uh, Bull. Yeah. Like they set a new record this week for the fastest right, pit stop right. of the I season. I was just like going to bring that up as well. Or something, so. And they do that like every, like Red Bull's team is just such a tightly oiled, well machined operating unit, right? Like these guys are doing sub two second pit stops at times, you know, in the, in the, in the past years. Yeah. My favorite thing to do during the race is when somebody goes in for a pit and you know, the release, I like to, guess you know see if i can get it within a tenth of a second or you know two tenths of a second of the stoppage time yeah it is crazy how it's like you know three seconds isn't a long time but at this point like you know i'm watching the pit and if it's like three seconds i'm like oh that wasn't right wasn't perfect you know uh even right. if it's still very fast um and sometimes you just see those two second red bull ones you're just like oh my gosh like that's not so fast they pulled that off yeah yeah and one other note on on pits pit stops uh the week before, of course, it, we had that incident where the Ferrari got caught speeding, right? I can't remember. Was it Claire or, or Signs? Signs, I, I thought, yeah. Yep, no, it was it was Claire because he lost his, uh, oh, his P5 right. in the end to P6. Yeah. There you go. This this last race, there was an in, there was a, a time when Verstappen essentially was, was trying to beat a car out, and he knew – I'm I'm doing a terrible job to explain this, but I'll try. He knew exactly where the timing sensor is picked up. And so he was speeding the whole way and, and someone posted the telemetry and saw where he let off the throttle, which, you know, slowed him down just enough that he got underneath the speed limit, just where the, the, the actual sensor 
that picks up this pit speed is. So again, just shows the level of detail and execution that these guys are doing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. the the big joke right now in Twitter that I, I've been seeing is um, obviously just piling on Ferrari. I think that even now the the, the there's a lot of uh, talking heads are it's becoming more and more vocal on hey th- a change needs to happen but you know Ferrari is still very turned in closed ranks like no no word at all that any sort of change is going to happen anybody want to are we going to see you know seven races left are they just going to ride this out the rest of the year or, or or will we see some sort of change to to acknowledge that hey there might be a problem here I mean, I think they're just going to ride it out until the end of the season. I honestly think Binotto needs to go at this point. Like he's protecting everybody on the team, which I mean, on one hand, I respect, you know, like obviously there's people whose careers are there, but you're in a high performance environment where you need to be at the top of your game every week. And they're at like the bottom of their game every week. It's not like they had, you know, one bad weekend and they gave them a second chance. They've had, you know, 10 weeks in a row now, almost bad weekends, you know, looking at that Leclerc stat. Um, and I feel like Benato is protecting them and maybe, I don't know, you know, whoever's got the higher up power at Ferrari, but I would consider getting rid of him at this point. Um, Cause they have a car that should be, you know, at least close to sec or, you know, hands down winning the battle for second in the championship this year. And Mercedes has a very real chance, I think to beat them in the constructors for second place. And possibly on the driver's side as well. You know, I I feel like that whole team, the only weak spot is everything off the track, right? Like, they've got good drivers. They've got a good car, right? But as soon as you get into the human resources side of things, besides the driver, boy, they're just disaster, you know? Yeah, I I mean, I agree. They, like, they'll probably ride, it, ride out the season, but I would hope they clean house over the summer. Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> I think that's a great call. And I think if I was a betting man, uh, I, I would bet that you're right, Gustav. They'll they'll get rid of him and um, Benuto, and, and you know it's just like the what's the usual thing in a in a pro. I mean, you, you fire the head coach, you don't fire like the third uh, assistant offensive coordinator. You know, you get the new team director will come in and he'll probably bring in new staff and and clean houses as jared just said it really seems to be the only way forward the you know this upcoming the next race is the italian grand prix their home race their home race and they've already announced uh have you guys seen this the the they're doing a special livery well i i don't know if they've announced the livery but at least like their outfits uh they're wearing yellow which is sort of interesting. Uh, not sure what what the yellow is completely it's symbolic good. for. Oh, it's, oh, do they not have yellow on the? Uh, no, I mean, on, but it's all on yellow. Like the so. head badge, I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah, well, obviously the the, 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 the prancing horse is yellow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So not sure what the car will look like. Well, maybe I my theory is that they're going to change the car to full yellow for the weekend in the hopes that the Ferrari fans won't know and they'll see the car. You know, like finish. <laughs> I love it seventh race place <laughs> and they won't realize that that's Ferrari in the back, you know, <laughs> I love it. It's going to be 
a spectacle, right? Like it always is the Monza at Monza. And I mean, this is their home race. I, I, the last season of drive to survive, they showed just the amount of draw, you know, attention, the guys get flocked everywhere. Um, so there's, there's gotta be a lot of scrutiny, but you know, I don't know. Are the Italian fans just like, Hey, whatever, we're just having fun. Yay. Or are they going to be demanding heads on a spike? Hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested if that aspect gets media coverage, you know, Mm -hmm. like every, you know, whenever I, of course I'm watching on ESPN, but you know, they're, they're walking around the, before the race and everybody's putting on a happy face about everything. It doesn't seem like journalism, you know, everything is like a puff piece Yeah. before the race. So it'd be nice if there was like, I don't know, in, in the broadcast, a little bit of journalism to show us those things without me having to hunt everything down on YouTube. All right. Let's talk a little bit about, to me, the more interesting stuff. Some of the, 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 the gossip and the, the antics going on. So let me throw this out first. Hamilton basically lost his shit on the team radio, right? What was the quote? You guys fucking fucked me or something like that. Yeah. I'm, you guys, sorry, screw, sorry why to my nine me like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I only I, I didn't hear the actual audio. I just saw the bleeped. I assume it was worse, but um, that's pretty bad. But uh, then, of course, he came out later as as he often does and apologized and said he was just passionate. But uh, um, what, what do you guys make of that? Like, what what's with these guys just losing it on a team radio? Is that good or bad for the sport? Is it unprofessional of them, or is it add a little fun to the to the whole thing? I'll tell you one thing. Every once in a while, you know, in a bike race, I like somebody does something that's kind of borderline and I, I've overreacted. And then I think like, God, you know, that was pretty dickish. And, you know, I, I can be a dick on purpose and I can be a dick joking around, but it's, I, I feel like for the most part, it's like rare that there's like an out of control moment like that, but you do see it. Like, I mean, I, I would say probably in large part because there's so much adrenaline, there's so much danger in what they're doing. The, the amount of, I guess, like protection from that type of reaction has got to be pretty minimal, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me, kind of similar to what you're saying, like, I guess I think it's almost nice that they, you know, broadcast that stuff and let you see that window into the driver's um, experience and everything. And I also think, especially when they're fighting at the front like that for somebody like Hamilton, who, you know, was leading big portions of this race, actually uh, granted, you know, like slightly different strategy, et cetera. But regardless, you know, I think it seemed like genuinely some moments that maybe he'd be contesting for the win. Although I still was convinced Verstappen was going to, you know, take it from him. So for somebody like him, who is now on the longest streak of his career without a win, I think he was just, you know, 100% committed to fighting there. And then obviously, maybe there's a little bit of a flashback to uh, Abu Dhabi last year where he was left out there on the, the old tires while um, you know, everybody around him pitted for fresh soft and he went from maybe wind definitely second place down to, you know, fourth out of the point or out of the podium and his teammate also passed him. So I think it was just kind of that heat of the moment. Um, and I guess I was kind of excited to see Hamilton, you know, upset about it and like that into the, into the race to kind of, be pissed off but there was no way he was doing better than he did regardless of what they did 
I mean, I think if he came in for soft as well, he wouldn't have had a chance to win the race, but he probably would have finished second. Wouldn't have been off the podium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also am fascinated by it from a a leadership perspective and a motivation perspective. Does that kind of stuff fire his team up and get people to rally behind him, or does it come across as a little off-putting? You contrast him to George Russell, who is just Mr. Quiet, Mr. Nice Guy, but getting the job done and, you know, kind of wonder, you know, is that perhaps more uh, something that, 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 that the team is gravitating towards? I mean, he's the future, you know, how many years is, is Hamilton going to be around? And uh, you know, does that affect uh, how the team really the dynamic? You know, I, I think when you're, when you have a competitor like Hamilton, they can get away with stuff like that. You know, yeah. it, it probably in much the, you know, he's proven himself, right? So if he complains about something, he's coming from a place where he's been there and he knows what he's complaining about. As opposed to maybe a, a Yuki, Yuki Sonoda. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So like, you know, I could imagine being a, a, in a support position under somebody like um, Lewis Hamilton. And when he gets pissed, it'd be like, oh shit, we need to do our job awesome because he's the best. Where, yeah, exactly, Yuki Sonoda, they're like, he needs to shut his mouth and race his car, and then we'll listen to him, you know? Yeah. Speaking of George Russell, one thing I also like to see again was, I, I don't know why, but I really like it when the drivers, like, call their strategy from the cockpit sometimes, even though, you know, they don't necessarily have the full picture. And, you know, he wasn't, like, aggressive or combative on the radio, but he just kind of said, like, he really wanted to go on the soft tire in the end. And I think clearly that swayed them and deciding to, you know, tell him to box right at the last second. And, you know, clearly that helped him out going from behind Hamilton to being able to get up there into second place. And I guess like the only question that left was the kind of idea of did Mercedes hurt their own chances a little bit by switching him because that prevented like before that, um, it would have been Hamilton first place, uh, and then Russell second place. So they'd have had one more right, car in between Merce- Verstappen and Hamilton. But again, I think, you know, clearly the Mercedes just wasn't, didn't have enough straight line speed to hold Verstappen off on that yeah. short straight. So I think if they'd both been out there, you know, maybe it would have meant one or two laps longer before Max got to Hamilton. Maybe, but yeah. The I result would still been the same. He got by Hamilton so easily, you know, yeah. so, uh, you know, he would have done the same to, to Russell and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been right up on Hamilton again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think also another interesting stat, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, we had that Russell finishing top five every race until he DNF'd at um, the British Grand Prix. But if you, you know, if you basically count that as a non-finish every race he's finished, which is every other race this season, he's been in the top five. So his consistency is still super impressive. Um, yeah. And yeah, definitely would be exciting to see him in a, more competitive car where he's actually racing, you know, the likes of Verstappen. Um, so hopefully we can get that maybe next year. All right. We talked about some highlights uh, and, and probably hit on some of the, the losers, but it, who else comes to mind as being one of the bigger losers out of this uh, Dutch Grand Prix weekend? I mean, I would just yeah, I guess if we can't say Ferrari again, I mean, I, mean, I guess maybe they're meeting expectations, but <laughs> in screwing up every week, but 
Uh, yeah, I was trying to to just think of who who else. Uh, you know, it's it to me again. This is where it takes a little work to almost uh, keep super interested in what's going on here. I mean, here here's the here's the facts, right? Max Verstappen can can sit out the next four races and he still will be in the championship lead. Really? Yep. Holy crap! Apparently, yep. he can win the championship uh, not in the next race, but the or the race after Singapore. Assuming Max or not Max, sorry, uh, assuming Checo and uh, Charles uh, don't score points, I guess, in the next two races, which I mean, obviously, it's kind of a they're most likely yeah, going to score best, points, yeah, but like, hypothetically, he yep. could win in two races from now with six races to go, which is just kind of crazy. I know. I was going to ask you guys before the podcast, Ian, should we not talk about whether Verstappen's going to win the next race? We should start talking about like, is he going to win next season and how many seasons is he going to win? <laughs> Well, there's that, yeah. and then I actually saw another uh, fun graphic where you, you look at the driver's standings, right? And uh, I have to bring them up here quick, but, you know, 310 points for Max Verstappen. Second and third, tied in points. Oh, Leclerc and Sergio Perez, both with 201, and then George Russell in 188. So really what we should do for the rest of the season is Stop talking about Verstappen and talk about this exciting race for second and third going on uh, in the in the driver's standings. I mean, yeah, Russell's not far out of that, huh? Yeah. I, my, right now, close. my money would definitely be Russell. Like his consistency. And, you yeah. know, you look at Checo. Checo's been – I think he had like a moment earlier on in the season, you know, where he seemed to be decent. But for a while now, he's been struggling, it seems like, the past four or five races at least. And same thing with – Charles, obviously, uh, as we mentioned, he's been only on the podium that two times in the last 10 races, whereas I don't know how many George has, but he's definitely had more than two podiums in the last 10 races, I think. So, And Monza, I mean, there's just zero chance you want to bet against Red Bull on this track, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think there is going to be a one-two. Checo, I think, will take second in Monza. And I actually think, I'm curious to see who will be third because... Mercedes, not good in a straight line. Ferrari, maybe a little better. But I honestly think Alonso maybe from uh, uh, what's Alpine. Called? Alpine, yeah, could be, I mean, not a hot favorite for third, but uh, definitely has a chance, I think. Yeah, I think you're onto some there. I, I don't know who else has the, a really good car in a straight line, top end speed, um, but clearly Mercedes is not there. Uh, so I would give the nod to Ferrari. So then you look at other Ferrari part cars as well, possibly. And, and then the LP speaking of which, uh, here's a random segue, uh, off of, of that, but concerning Alpine at the bones of grand prix, I read that they're going to do a special thing test or whatever you want to call it with Jacques Villeneuve, who is, you know, formula, former formula one world champion. He's about 10 years older than Alonzo. You know, has not raced, I think, since like 2006 or so. But he's going to drive last year's Alpine car. I don't know how many laps, whatever. But but there's a whole, you know, there's a reason behind it. He's a broadcaster. There's an anniversary of Renault, something, something, something. I don't know. But uh, th- that that's going to be uh, kind of fun to see. Um, but also, uh, I- I'm anxious to hear what he has to say. You know, he's never driven a car like this, right? Like, and it's last year's car, it's not detuned or anything. So, I mean, it's, it's going, going to be interesting to have a, a formula, former formula one champion really put, put the, the, the car to the paces and then, you know, 
give, give a little insight onto what's that, what's, what's going to happen with that. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Definitely. Speaking of other, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. oh, well, I was going to, I was also going to jump on the Alpine discussion, trying to bring it back to Oscar Piastri uh, and the whole McLaren Alpine drama, which uh, yeah, I, I wanted to talk some more about the new, new seats. So go ahead with that one. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, so I guess like when we left off last week, um, I think they were about to have their, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the term was basically like a contract hearing to with a board that actually would decide who, who actually had a valid contract for Oscar Piastri in uh, the coming seasons. And so, yeah, they sat down and basically it was very clear to them that McLaren were the ones who had the contract. So yeah, Piastri will be driving for McLaren, I think for two years, it sounds like. Um, And Alpine is left with nothing plus paying all the legal fees for the the whole like court situation, which I think was something like 500,000 euros or, well, I'm not sure what currency it was, but he, basically a lot, 500,000, sure. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> not pesos. <laughs> yeah. Something that would value. Yeah. Sorry. Rubles. Sorry to our rubles. Yeah. yeah <laughs> sorry to our uh, fans out there with terrible currencies. Um, <laughs> right. So that, that one's, you know, it looks like McLaren's um, seats are sorted out now. So that leaves uh, a few things left. And so one of the things I've mentioned too, was Colton Herta, the IndyCar driver, you know, who tested with McLaren earlier this year. Now his name is coming up being linked to AlphaTari if Pierre Gasly leaves to go to Alpine. So there's this, you know, obviously it's all how things fall into place. Now Herta, he's 22 He's won like seven or eight IndyCar races. Uh, you know, he's been racing, I think, in IndyCar for three seasons, maybe just two. There is also, now people are, are, are coming up and saying, well, the dude can't race F1 because he doesn't have enough super license points. And so now there's a bunch of controversy around that because really the FIA is kind of biased towards European racing and you can get more super license points going from like F3 to F2 than IndyCar, even though IndyCar is a pretty legit series. Like it's, it would be a pretty hard sell to say, Oh, seven wins in IndyCar is, is like, you know, less than F2 or an F3. So, um, you know, there is talk that they, they can make into, you know, can give exceptions and that sort of thing, but, but still we have to wait and see. And, and, I think ultimately Colton Herta is, is, I can't remember if he's officially part of the, the Red Bull driver program already, or, you know, if this is like, he would be brought it, brought into that, but, you know, certainly Red Bull can probably make some things happen <laughs> one way or the other, if they, if they want to bring him into, to AlphaTauri. So I, I think, and then of course the Alpine situation is also like the rumor is with, uh, Danny Ricardo too. So, but then supposedly someone got a hot mic. I don't know, maybe, or I can't exactly remember what I heard, but um, someone, the rumor is that he may take a year off. He's like, Hey, I, I might just sit out next year. So a um, lot of, a lot of, there's still a handful of those seats that are uh, in question. I feel like I'd be bummed if Ricardo took a season off, but then you look back on him this season and maybe I wouldn't have even noticed, you know? Yeah. What well, he was like course, P18 this past weekend, right? Like another yeah. completely pretty much anonymous weekend. 
Yeah. We've talked about it. It's tough to, you know, you go away, you may never get back, but I don't think he's very happy and, and maybe he needs a little sabbatical. I mean, that's yeah. what Kimi Räikkönen did. He went and drove rally cars for a little while. Uh, Alonzo went and drove in the Indy 500 and, you know, messed around with sports cars. I think he was in Le Mans too. Yeah. I think he and won Le Mans. In, and in one of the classes at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then came back, you know, and, and is having fun, right? Like both those guys finished up and, you know, we're still banging heads or whatever. So, yep. Hard to say, hard to say. Yeah. Another, speaking of that, like, interesting thing this weekend was Mick, who we talked about how he arguably didn't deserve his seat going forward uh, or was, you know, kind of on that knife edge. He had a good qualifying and qualified uh, I think eighth. Um, whereas his teammate who, you know, I think definitely at the beginning of the season, we all said was uh, head and shoulders better than him was like 18th. And when you look at it, they're actually pretty close in points. Uh, if you don't factor in like the very first race of the season where Ke- Kevin Magnuson had like that great performance and came fifth mm-hmm. or sixth or something. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that keeps playing out. Um, but Mick seems to be on somewhat better form. Uh, Grant, he didn't end up, I don't think he scored points in the race, but he also, speaking of Kevin Magnuson, did you guys see his, his crash at the beginning of the race um, where like he went off and like bounced off a wall and then just kept oh, going. Yeah. His car kept was going. fine. Yeah. yeah, That was actually one of the like most surprising crashes. I feel like, you know, like if you just show me like frozen it when he first hit the wall before you see him bounce off, I'd be like, oh yeah, he's, you know, broken the suspension, definitely safety car, not going to go, you know, continue on. But I know yeah, everything seemed like it was like, as hard as it could possibly happen without breaking anything. <laughs> yeah. It's weird how sometimes you see like a car barely touch another car and he has to DNF. Right. And then you see something like that, like that. And you're like, what the heck, how could that yeah. possibly be going forward from there? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, we didn't do this. So let's go back to the, the Dutch Grand Prix just for a second. Uh, uh, we said windmills, I guess this year. So, uh, you know, do, do the round out of one out of five, Windmills, what would you give the rating for the Dutch Grand Prix? I'm going two windmills. You know, there there were spots of three windmills during the race, but only two overall. I'm going back and forth. I actually, there were moments where I thought it was, you know, exciting seeing that offset strategy with Mercedes um, doing the, like trying to do one stop um, versus look like, you know, Red Bull doing the two, obviously the safety cars and stuff at the end kind of hampered that really playing out. So I, I'll go three. I, I almost want to say four, but um, obviously, you know, kind of fizzled there, I think towards the end when it became clear that, yeah, the safety cars kind of made any chance of them uh, fighting, not, it's, not reality. It's just tough for me to see, you know, like, like you said, oh, a different pitch strategy, you know, it, in the end, it doesn't seem to make a difference, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, most time Red Bull just covers it off anyways, you know, cause they're so fast. They can just right. switch to the other right. strategy halfway through and it'll be fine. Or, you know, yep. um, and Max, like that's the other crazy thing. It's just like both this week and last week, their degradation is like everybody else is, you know, pitting for so, like their softs are completely going off the cliff. And then Max does like 10 more laps on his setting, you know, fastest laps. And you're just like, not only do they have the fastest car, but their degradation that seems to be so much lower than all the other cars. So it kind of makes the strategy nullified. Yep. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm two windmills as well. 
yes, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like there was an aspect of that Mercedes strategy, you know, what could happen here. But in the end too, it's like, and I get there's, there's a, there's a user base or a, a fan base out there that really gets into that. But you know, it's the on track action. That's the most exciting. And here's the thing. You can buy two different video games right now. You can buy F1 2022 the racing simulator you can also buy f122 race manager right yeah which is basically like spreadsheets you have to man like <laughs> and i don't understand who's who wants to spend like you know 30 40 hours a week on a video game managing a race team like oh what should the budget be for for tires this year and and like how much r&d are we going to go put into dampers but there's a video game and it's like incredibly detailed and realistic and and some people and really get maybe ferrari it. needs to spend some time on that uh <laughs> get some practice in oh what what an ultimate troll move if like toto or, or somebody like like bought a shipment of of games and sent them to <laughs> marinello to to those guys to like hey maybe you know well, I think Practice what they should just do is they need to look at that that leaderboard and next year, you know, pick the top two people on that game's leaderboard and just hire them as their new strategist <laughs> department or whatever. Um, well, it's just like Zwift, right? Year. Like they, they do a, a Zwift thing where they hire the guy or, you know, give a pro contract to the some Zwift champion. Uh, why, why, and, you know, they've done this, uh, I think, a few years ago. Gran Turismo, they had a contest and the best sim driver actually got a a, a racing contract out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I like your idea. I think that's yeah. Take the t- two best managers and, and just stick them in Ferrari. It can't be worse, right? Right. <laughs> I want to quickly go back to one thing that I forgot to mention earlier, and hear your guys' opinions on that. Um, but obviously, this was the Dutch Grand Prix Max's home race, and so he had a huge army of fans, and actually ended up not being a big problem in the race day. But I think that was because of the problems he had the day before. But what do you guys think? I think we've talked briefly about it before about these, uh, you know, flares that they're setting off the orange flares in the crowd. And I think it was like at Austria, like you literally couldn't see the the track. There was such a big haze. But on Saturday, they were throwing them out onto onto the track during qualifying. I think there was one time they had to red flag it, and then there was another time when they thought they might have to red flag it, but it ended up rolling off the track. Do you think like? have they managed to make it clear now that like, that's not acceptable or what is it with the max fans too? Like, why are they so determined to like set these flares off? You know, there's Lewis fans, et cetera. I don't see flares from anybody, but the Dutch fans, it seems like any thoughts. No, I think it's, I mean, I literally think it's part of Dutch culture because the Dutch soccer fans are nutty as hell. And so, and also um, like on out the ways, they've got like the Dutch corner. And they're, it's like part of the culture to be crazy about their being crazy about their sports. Yeah, indeed. It does seem that way. And it, it does. I don't know if it's a media coverage this year or if things have escalated. I mean, there's been a gradual over the last couple of years of these flares, both in cycling and at F1 races, that sort of thing. But also just in general, I mean, there was another big thing. I think it was AlphaTauri actually put a, a statement out kind of condemning some of the things that were happening on to fans in particular, apparently 15 women, um, you know, filed complaints or something at the, at the Dutch grand prix, uh, of being verbally accosted, I think is what it was. And so, uh, there, there is, there seems to be an uptick in hooligan type behavior. Um, I think it's more prevalent at certain races than others, but also, um, you know, there's probably also a, a level of tolerance that has gone down 
for that kind of stuff too, where it used to be like, yeah, whatever. Right. Um, so it's, and of course with social media, it magnifies it. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there, but I definitely think, uh, the, and the, the, the race host folks, I mean, they really have come out and said no more of this stuff. Right. Like, so we'll, we'll see next year if, if that happens or not, or if they are truly taking a proactive approach and trying to, you know, prevent people from bringing them in. And, you know, according to Gustav, uh, at least in his experience, security at these races is not super tight, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that could definitely have been part of it too. I did see there was like a photo of a sign they had on Friday or Saturday before this weekend where it just said like, flares are not allowed, but there was like no consequences or anything. I think after those incidents on Saturday, there was another photo of that, like a same sign, but on Sunday morning where it said, you know, if you're caught with a flare, you'll be, you know, ejected and like banned for life or something like that. So, um, I guess, yeah, maybe they're already stepping it up a little bit after, I think this was the first weekend, at least where I can remember there being actually like flares thrown onto the track and like causing the session to, to be stopped. Yeah. That's always frustrating. I mean, you see stuff like that once in a while in soccer matches and even in not flares, but hockey games, people throw stuff onto the, you know, uh, Eric looks like host stopped my video. I turned your video off cause you were choppy and I didn't want your audio quality oh, to, to, okay. to diminish. Oh, sorry about that. Also, um, did you guys, uh, we're talking about on track incidences, right? Uh, what about the pigeons? We didn't talk about the pigeons. That, that was pretty I crazy. Mean, and there was, a, I think an F2 race where yeah. the, the pigeon hit kind of the little T-bar thing above the, the cockpit and it's in Park Ferme. And and then there was kind of a joke of like, can you take the pigeon out of the, you know, that was stuck oh, dead, yeah. obviously, in there? Or is that Messing tampering with, Park with the Ferme car? There, yeah. Right, Got to right. leave it for the race. I mean, don't affect your I don't know what the uh, ultimate there. decision was on that one, but it was pretty uh, spectacular and, and slightly disturbing to see this like dead pigeon stuck up in that car. Speaking of pigeons, I mean, this is completely unrelated to F1, but I saw a, I mean, not a meme, I guess like a, a clip from like a, I don't know what baseball game or I don't know anything about baseball, oh, but it was from yeah. a baseball this is game. A, Jared and I know this. Uh, okay. It's uh, the, the unit was the pitcher. Was that Randy Johnson, right? Yeah. yeah. Randy Johnson yeah. Uh, threw like a 106 mile per hour <laughs> fastball and like just obliterated See, a puff, a puff right, of feathers. Just, I was like, you Whoa. know, what are the odds that it, the, the bird just happened to fly right in the, the line of that path of that fastball. But but yeah, it was yeah. like vaporized it, right? <laughs> Disturbing. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it really was. I, I remember when that happened. It's like that can't be real. Like, there's just nothing. Like, it just poof, right? Yeah. Which yeah, was weird could, because you, then the F1 car, it's like, well, it's just kind of got lodged in the little. It yeah. wasn't. Yeah. It was. I think the baseball one was more. Yeah, like you said, vaporized, destroyed. Whereas the F1 one was kind of just, I mean, squished, but hang hanging on there still. Well, gentlemen, um, any any other thoughts f- from this week's? You know, we're, this is a busy time of the year, so lots of turnaround. Uh, uh, we'll be right back at it next week after the Italian Grand Prix. But uh, here we are wrapping up the the Dutch Grand Prix round fifteen. Yeah, if I forgot to say anything, just take that early clip um, <laughs> that I plug it in wherever you need. Well, that's my recommendation to all of our listeners out there. If you're still watching for this eight and seven or eight of you still listening to this, you know, if you're actually watching uh, F1, 
don't worry about the the leader. Hopefully the TV coverage also kind of starts moving down the the grid a little bit and focus on that battle for second and third because that that's that's pretty tight. That's pretty fascinating. And uh, you know you can make drinking games or something out of like Ferrari's uh, strategy screw ups, like predicting what lap <laughs> they're gonna implode. You know something like that. I'll make I'll make one prediction for this coming weekend. Uh, now I can't remember what the term was. Was it Grand Slam? Uh, I think Max is going to take a Grand Slam. You know what is it? Pole, fastest lap, fastest pole. lap, lead every lap of the race and win the race. Um, so. We'll see if you, that th- you think true, he'll but... actually lead every lap. Yeah. yeah. I think he's going to take pole. Like this is, you know, similar to spa. And I think if he'd been on pole at spa, uh, like he qualified, but before he took that penalty, I think he would have just, you know, blown the field away. By, I think like, that's a, a minute, pretty so. safe bet. You know, if you think about that strategy wise, right? Like a team would have to be within 17 seconds or, or less. Um, and that Ferrari on that track, I mean, excuse me, that Red Bull on that track is probably going to be so fast. They'll probably be putting half a lap or half a second a lap minimum yeah. into the, the next closest. Um, and, you know, assuming it's probably two straps, because I don't think uh, Monza is particularly hard on tires. And so I'm sure it'll be a, a, a one-stop strategy. So they, they could probably go pretty far. So, yeah, he'll probably have enough of a lead to he won't even give it up. You're probably right. I don't know. I'll yeah, test we'll that see. out on F one twenty two manager. Manager, exactly. Just, Who knows? Maybe you'll be you'll be Ferrari strategist next year if you're <laughs> if you're good enough. So right. No, how good he is doesn't matter. I mean, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, thanks for Jared and Gustav uh, for for taking the time as always. Uh, for, for for I didn't even call. I didn't even announce the name of this is Formula What, uh, but. Once again, this is Formula What. Thank you for listening, uh, and we'll see you next week. I'm still here. I'm still here. Give it a, give it a couple seconds anyway. I don't hear anything. Mm-mm. No. I mean, we can hear you, but I hear no buzzing. Where the, where did Jared go? I'm here. I'm here. Hold on. Are you clipping your toenails? Um, kind of. Oh my god. Le- no. Leave that in. The listeners will want to hear that. That's some what is the no. ASMR? Is that what they call it? Oh my god. The... Like I know I, the sound of nail clippers, and that was you were clipping. I had a broken nail, so I was fixing it when Jesus when we were between between takes. All right. Do you want to ask your question again, or, or should we just pick up on the answer? Uh, no, Gustav, Gustav, ask it again.